you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Well, Matthew chapter 1, that's a good spot. Chapter 1, we'll read into chapter 2. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Exodus kind of off and on uh, since the uh, kind of the start of the fall, really, and leading in. And what I've hoped for is, is that if you tell the story enough, uh, it sort of gets ingrained in you, kind of like a popular song. You know, like you'll hear the tune Amazing Grace, and you instantly know this is Amazing Grace, or Joy to the World, and, and you just sort of pick up on it. And you just sense, oh, that's what this song is. Uh, in a way, I hope that the Exodus story would become that song that is familiar to you because it's a song that is often repeated throughout Scripture. And so I wanted to not only spend time in the book of Exodus, but I also wanted to look at a few stories throughout the Old Testament that sort of repeated the Exodus journey of people that were in slavery, of people that have maybe perhaps turned from God and then are invited back to God. And it's every time that God is sort of on this rescue mission to seek and save his people and draw them out. And as we look through the Bible and as you read through it, you see the reoccurring message throughout that God is faithful, that God acts in powerful ways. And there's often these uh, Pharaoh-like or king-like men who, uh, who are powerful and they are abusing their power. So Pharaoh, he becomes uh, sort of repeated throughout history of these powerful men that are abusing their power. The Exodus story also has amazing women in it, women who defy all, uh, you know, all likelihood of who's going to be the hero of the story. They're these women that rescue the babies and and uh, or women that have babies when they aren't supposed to be having babies and there's there's all sorts of ways that women are so subverting the powerful uh, men in the in the uh, exodus stories and so what i wanted to do is for this moment then pick up the book of matthew and hear the story of exodus of god once again doing miraculous things through women doing miraculous things, showing his power and his might, once again delivering his people, once again God acting in mighty and powerful ways to bring his people to where he is calling them to. And so I want for, uh, my hopes have been that when we read this story, the Exodus story would start ringing in your ears and more so in your ears and into your heart to remind you again that God is a God who is working to deliver and rescue his people. That whatever we're going through now together, as uh, just in your own life, that you can be reminded that there is exodus echoes in your own life. That God is speaking still, that God is working powerfully, that God is still alive and calling us out of slavery, out of sin, out of death, and into new life. So my message today is one last reminder that Christ has come to deliver you, to rescue you in Exodus-like fashion. Let's read the story and be moved by God's Spirit. Let's pray for His Spirit to be at work now. God, we love you. We thank you that your story is always a story of calling your people out of darkness, out of death, out of slavery, out of sin, out of despair, and into new life in your kingdom. Lord, you have invited us out. And so remind us today 
and the celebration of the birth of your son, that this is the beginning of another exodus. And may it be for us a new exodus, one out of the despair of perhaps the last year, one out of the despair of our life and suffering and difficulty, one that's out of sin that we've wrestled with, Lord, and the things that weigh us uh, weigh heavy on our hearts. God, for the things that we've lifted up to you in prayer over the last year, for your compassion, for your grace, for your love, for your mercies to come, we pray today, God, that you would remind us again that you are faithful, that you are loving and you are kind. So, Lord, thank you for Jesus, and we love you and we praise you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. In our gospel story, let's begin in Matthew chapter 1, verses uh, 18 and following. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to, faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and with his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophets, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, 
and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, "Go, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and he took the child with his mother and they went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Well, I hope that a couple of things pop out to you, and I'm just going to highlight a few of the things that jump out to me with Exodus ears on. The first thing is the names of the characters of our story. We don't get to Egypt without Joseph. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, he was the one that had the dream. He dreamed a dream, right? And that dream was predicting that his siblings would all bow down and worship him. And they all got mad at him and everything. And we don't have time to cover Genesis like 25 through 50. Uh, but uh, what that story is, is how Joseph ends up getting all of his family into Egypt. So we should already start putting on Exodus ears from the very onset when we get one of our main characters is Joseph, and he, he too has a dream. And this dream is what would eventually lead them to Egypt as well. We also have Mary. Mary uh, is this one that brings this child into the world, right? We are familiar with Mary. Well, what's Moses' sister's name? This is Bible quizzes. Miriam. Miriam is to Mary as James is to Jimmy. Miriam is another name for Mary. And so Mir Miriam, in the Exodus story, Miriam is the one who... Uh, when, she, when uh, Moses is put in the little basket and floating in the river and Pharaoh's sister sees her, well, Miriam, Moses' sister, she's the one that's spying, you know, and peering through the reeds and making sure little baby Moses is okay. And she's the one who says, hey, I have an idea. Maybe I should go and see if I can find this baby's mother so that she can nurse him and take care of this baby. It's Miriam who rescues Moses. Just another little connection. But we also then have the very story that's going on in the midst of all of this is Herod, this Pharaoh-like person who's killing these children of Israel, these children of Bethlehem, this threat to his power. Pharaoh's whole sort of demanding and demeaning work that he does in the Exodus story towards the Israelites is all because he sees them as a threat to his empire, a threat to his power. And so Pharaoh, he looks at Israel, who's just growing and prospering, and God has been fruitful in multiplying the Israelites. And so Pharaoh looks at them as a threat to his power. Well, why does Herod go through all that he does to uh, eradicate these children? Is because of this message that a king is coming that's going to rescue the people of Israel. And Herod, he doesn't want his power to be compromised. And so he, he does this, uh, this incredibly evil and terrible thing of taking 
these children. Um, and so we have this Herod and Pharaoh figure. This is just this sort of uh, tip of the iceberg of this sort of story in which God is telling this rescue mission. And so when we read the book of Matthew, we should start right at the very beginning. We should have Exodus ears on to say, God is doing something special with this person, Jesus. He is once again on a rescue mission with God, uh, for God's people. And the rest of the way, it just starts telling the Exodus story even more and more and more. What we get next is after Jesus' birth and, he, and uh, he comes back to Nazareth and, and he grows up to be a, a, a wonderful young man and we find him in what river do we find Jesus next in our story in the Bible? We have Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River and we get this sense that this really is Jesus going through the Exodus story. He is baptized and then we have Jesus, uh, just like the Israelites crossing the Jordan River, we have Jesus entering into the Jordan River. We have Jesus going on a 40-day wilderness journey in which he fasts and he, learn, and he models what it is to trust in God. The Israelites, they wandered in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. And so we have 40, 40 nights of Jesus to remind us uh, that Jesus is entering into the story. We have more things in the Bible story. We have, the, uh, we have the shepherds that are tending their flocks, and we have the angels announcing and proclaiming. God visits Moses on the side of the mountain and, and tells them of what he's about to do. It's this, it's this invitation to go and worship God. Exodus story is this invitation for God's people to be drawn out that they might go and worship God. And so the sort of connections keep sort of like piling up and then there's this moment so after jesus's baptism and temptation after his journey through the wilderness we see jesus calling his disciples and inviting them to ascend a mountain and in matthew 5 6 and 7 it is the story of of jesus in the sermon on the mount standing on the mountain giving the law to god's people we have we have these wonderful sort of connections over and over and over again that Exodus is the story that's being told in the book of Matthew. Do you agree with me so far? Making the connections, all right? Why? Why would Matthew, when he sets out to write the gospel story, why would his outline be, I'm going to tell the Exodus story again? Did Matthew not have anything better to do? I believe Matthew rewrote the Exodus story in light of Jesus, uh, wrote the Jesus story in light of Exodus. I believe he wrote it in the way that he did so that each and every generation would be reminded that God is faithful to his promises just as he was faithful in Exodus. That we would be a people who would come to God out of a life of sin and know that we have the rescuer of sins, rescuer from sins, so that we would be drawn out of our old lives, that we might be drawn to God and worship him. That was the whole point of the whole thing. Moses first shows up to Pharaoh and he says, would you let the people go so that, that we can go from here and worship the Lord God Almighty? 
I believe the story of Matthew, the story of Jesus in the gospel, is that we would be drawn out from a life of sin, that we might go and worship God, that we might give him glory that is due. And so he gives us this Exodus story, sort of on repeat, that we would be reminded that God is a delivering God, that he moves people still from where they are to where he desires them to be. And we need those reminders, don't we? Some of you, not all of you, but some of you are what is called theologically as sticks in the mud. We need someone to pull us out and move us forward. We need someone to rescue us from the ruts and routines and the rhythms that have made us miserable, that have led us into despair. And God is still a God who rescues and saves. The Exodus story is on repeat. And while it has echoed and repeated throughout the story of the Old Testament, as soon as we open up the New Testament, we are told of a story again of which God and his power delivers people to rescue them from their sins. And Jesus' story is again and again an Exodus story. We see Jesus once again at the cross in the most deliberate act of Exodus where Jesus himself becomes the lamb that is slain, the one whose blood, blood cleanses us and washes us. Jesus, in the uh, night of his betrayal, sits with his uh, disciples and he breaks bread with them and he says, this is a new co covenant, my blood poured out for you. He is making a covenant within the context of the Passover meal a meal that was completely about the Exodus story and reminders of God's faithfulness in the past. God is a rescuing God. He is calling you from sin and death, and he is delivering you into new life. This story is on repeat. Because every day is a new exodus in which when we embrace the fact that God is a delivering God and we live or we give our lives to him. And we say, God, I cannot get myself out of the mess that I am in. God, deliver me. And we cry out to God just as God heard the cries of Israel. He hears our cries today. He hears you. He loves you. He knows you. And he is calling you out in sin and death. I have been following uh, the missionaries that were captured in Haiti. Did you see that? There were, I think, 17 of them. And a few of them were released. But there were a dozen that remained. Uh, in. Uh, they were held hostage for a couple of months. On December 15th, Reports came that the final 12 were released. It was days later that it found, I found out that the missionaries were not released. They weren't released, they escaped. And the reports were that they spent day and night praying to God, deliver us. Let us know when it's time to leave. Lord, deliver us. And they kept praying that prayer. As countless Christians around the globe were praying, God, would you deliver these missionaries out of, hosti out of hostility, out of captivity, out of, out of certain death or despair? God, would you rescue these missionaries? 
And they kept sensing from God, now is not the time to leave. Now is not the time. And on December 15th in the evening, they sensed, every one of them, man, women, and child, they all sensed from God, now is the time. And they go and they check the door, and the door that has been locked is unlocked. And the barricade that was there is gone. And in the dead of night, lit by the stars, this group of 12 began walking quietly, sneaking through the night, filing through and escaping from captivity in the jungle of Hades, going through briars and thickets. They wrapped a child in cloth to protect the child from briars, and they followed the stars at night that they might be delivered. And they ascend a mountain. And on the other side of the mountain, they finally find someone in the light of the early morning to make a phone call to say, we've been, we are free. We are free. It's a miraculous story of God delivering people. Real life, right there in the flesh, God working, a miraculous thing to rescue his servants. I'm going to be a little bit of a curmudgeon for a moment. I'm going to say something. What if halfway through the journey, in the midst of the thickets and the briars and the things that were bringing them harm, what if they said, we should go back? We should go back. That would be pure foolishness, right? But how often, how often in our Exodus story do we choose to go back to Egypt? How often in our Exodus story do we choose to go back to our old life? How often in our story do we choose to go back to the captivity of the things that have only brought us harm and suffering and shame? How foolish it would be for them to return. And God, he says to the Israelites over and over and over again, guys, don't go back there. I have something so much better for you. A land filled with milk and honey. A land where I will bless you and care for you. Just keep going. Today's message to you is one to remind us of the echoes of Exodus. That God is still a delivering God who forgives and saves and redeems. And whatever you're in, God can deliver you from. And he has set you free from it. He says, keep going and keep pursuing my kingdom. And even though it is difficult, even though though the darkness is great, even though the pain you're going through is difficult, even though the suffering might be too much for you to bear, don't give up. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. Keep going up the mountain. Keep following the star. Keep following the light. And though the present might be too difficult to bear, don't turn back. So this is an invitation, a reminder, an encouragement to each and every one of us that if we're honest with our life, there are times where we've gone back to the sin that has so easily entangled us. The Bible tells us very clearly, throw it off and run your race. Pursue Christ and pursue Him with all of your heart, all of your affection, all of your strength, 
every bit of who you are. Give your life to God again. So my last sermon in 2021 is to live a, uh, is an invitation to live 2022. That's rolls off the tongue. To live 2022 for the glory and splendor of Jesus Christ. To throw off the sin, throw off the hurt, throw off the things that have held us captive and run our race of faith, trusting in God, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, seeking first Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that the Exodus story is still alive today, rescuing us from sin and giving us new life this time of season in which we kind of slow down from work and slow down from regular routines and enjoy time with family is a perfect time to pursue Christ. To say, God, what is it that you want me to do and how do you want me to follow you this new year? I give my life to you. I don't want to go back to where I've been. I want you to take me where you're leading me. He's leading you into a new life, into the kingdom of God. Let's trust in him and walk together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for today that your story is a continuous story of a rescue mission for your people. That you have set us free from sin and death and darkness. That your Son has come to be the light of the world, the living bread, the living water, Lord, offering us eternal life. And so today, God, as we have learned uh, over and over again throughout the last year that the Exodus story is on repeat, may it be true for us today that you are calling us out of darkness and into light. Help us to have compassion for those who are in despair. Lord, that the Exodus story that we re repeat each day would be that there is a light in the midst of darkness, that there is a lamb who laid down his life, that there is rescue and salvation and hope for anyone who's hurting and suffering, that there's anyone who's been far from you, God, they can be brought near. And so we pray that the Exodus story would also be a story of revival and encouragement for our church family. God, that those who have fallen away would draw back to you, that to those that have wandered in their faith, they would be encouraged to walk again. Lord, that some have entered into their own season of doubt and discouragement. Lord, that you would be a beacon of light and hope for them. For every one of us, God, that you would renew our hearts, that you would light our hearts on fire for you, that we would hear from you again on the mountain and in the valley that we would listen to you, God, with all of our hearts as you call us to you and call us home. Lord, let us turn 